named uh, Geneva McCracken, uh, who was the pastor's wife three pastors ago, and uh, got to learn about her today, and, and she was a faithful follower. And uh, I appreciate her testimony. It was an encouragement to us. Uh, and I told Brother, uh, Brother Dave, uh, preach the, the message, the sermon for the funeral. And um, afterwards, I told him, I said, you know, uh, your mom and the sacrifice that she made, you know, we're reaping the benefits of that as a church family. And, uh, you know, I don't really know all of the ways we are, but I just know that her blood, sweat, and tears, and service, and effort, uh, we're, we're still going as a church. And uh, it's because of faithful followers like her and, uh, and, and her husband as well. Well, um, if you would take your Bible and turn to 3 John, verse number 2, uh, once again. Uh, we started this series last Sunday morning. And it's just a four-service, I think, uh, if I can finish. Um, I'm a little unsure about finishing tonight. Um, I don't want to be here till uh, midnight, so I don't know that... uh, Well, we don't have any uh, people named Eutychus here uh, who are up in the rafters who are in danger of falling over, uh, like happened in the book of uh, Acts, but... But even still, uh, I know that uh, we probably wouldn't mind going home at a normal time, so uh, we'll try to do that. So we'll see how far we get with this particular message, but um, we're going through this concept of biblical prosperity, uh, this little series on biblical prosperity. Uh, not, not, not trying to be a, a prosperity gospel preacher here, but I'm trying to show us what the Bible says about there is prosperity mentioned in the Bible and how we could have it in different areas of our life. And so Third John, uh, verse number uh, 1, let's just pick it up there. And it says, the elder, uh, and he's referring to himself, John is here, when he calls himself, he, he's saying, I'm the elder here, unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. And he said, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. But the, the key verse here is verse number two, and this, this gets um, abused uh, by those prosperity gospel preachers. They'll take this and kind of run with it uh, beyond what the Bible says here. But um, really, we're, we're looking at the different areas in which God does desire that we would prosper in, uh, starting with the very most important one, which was on Sunday morning, which if you weren't here, I would say go online and watch it. But uh, again, our live stream had COVID, so uh, it was out for the day. Uh, so that didn't, no, not able to do that. But uh, in a nutshell, uh, basically, we need to make sure that we're in God's family. We need to make sure that uh, we get right with God if we're not right with the Lord, and that we stay right with God, and that we continue to draw near to God throughout our life through daily time in God's Word, daily time communing with Him in prayer. And uh, those are ways that we can prosper spiritually. And And uh, in that message, uh, we mentioned I mentioned that... Uh, 
really each one of these areas, being that we're triune beings, can, it's, we're all connected. So our spiritual life affects our emotional uh, life. When we're right with God, then uh, we, we really can't be right with God unless we're right with one another. And uh, the Bible makes that clear in several different uh, passages, particularly in marriage. He says, you know, husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, as unto the weaker vessels, giving honor to them as unto the weaker vessels, that your prayers be not hindered. So when you aren't right with your wife and you go to the Lord in prayer, uh, well, that whole uh, prayer is hindered uh, according to the word of God. So we need to make sure that we're right with one another because that affects our spiritual life. Our spiritual life affects our emotional life, but all of those also affect our physical life. And uh, that's what we're going to start talking about tonight. And again, I don't know that we'll get through it all because as I was putting it together, I'm like, oh boy, this is a lot to fit into one message. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make our way through whatever we can tonight and, and, and pick it up next time if we, don't, if, if we don't finish it. So I may need to change the slide from a four service to a who knows how long, uh, how many services. Only the Lord knows. But um, here uh, it is interesting that, uh, that John wishes that, um, his, that Gaius' health would prosper as his soul prospers. And that's interesting because he knew that Gaius' soul was prospering. He knew that spiritually Gaius was in a good spot and he was growing and prospering in his relationship with God. And so he said, I hope that your health matches that. And uh, that obviously is saying that the spiritual life is the most important aspect of us because that's the part that will live forever, uh, whereas our physical being will not. Um, we went to a funeral where somebody who was, uh, their soul prospered throughout their life and uh, emotionally as well, but, uh, but their body ended up giving out. And uh, here's the deal. Uh, would we want our health to prosper as our soul prospers? I hope the answer is yes. I hope that we would want our physical health to match our spiritual health. But uh, regardless of whether we want it to happen or not, usually it, it does kind of coincide. Um, so really, as our spiritual life goes, many times goes our emotional and physical life. When we're right with God, oftentimes, not a blanket statement, but oftentimes it does um, mean that our emotional life is going to be a lot healthier and even our physical life is going to be healthier. And financially as well, which is the next message in this series. Now, the truth of the matter is, though, there, there are people who fall sick not because they are not right with God. Um, there are good, godly people who get sick, uh, who get cancer, who uh, die of a heart attack. Good, godly people, this happens too. Um, and uh, simply, we can just kind of chalk it up to because it was simply God's will for them to go through that trial of physical sickness. Uh, one uh, very vivid example of that is the man by the name of Job, or Job, uh, just to try to wake everybody up here like, there's nobody named Job in the Bible. Um, well, Job was one who uh, was right with God. He was doing what was right. He, his soul was prospering. But then 
Uh, and, and most of us understand what happened there, how um, the Lord wanted to prove to Satan that he, there, there, there's somebody that, that honors him regardless of the blessings. And so um, he gave Satan the, uh, the license and the liberty to go and affect his body without taking his life. And so Job ended up dealing with boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And it wasn't because he wasn't right with God. It wasn't because uh, things were off in his life. It was just part of God's will for his life. I think another man uh, who comes to mind is the Apostle Paul. And uh, we don't know exactly what it was, but the Bible simply says that uh, there was a thorn in the flesh. And uh, I suspect that that was uh, something physical that he had to deal with. Um, perhaps it could have been uh, poor eyesight. Many Bible scholars believe that that was the case, that uh, he wasn't able to uh, see very well. But regardless of what it was, Paul tried to pray three times that it would depart, and God said, no, 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 you need this in your life. Uh, so just we're talking about, you know, prospering physically. Um, this isn't a blanket statement and a blanket message that, okay, I'm going to listen and apply everything here, and therefore I'm never going to get sick. I'm never going to have a physical trial. No, that, that's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm, I'm, I'm saying many times God does allow uh, physical trials into our life as part of his will for us uh, to grow, to uh, learn, and in Paul's case, to remain humble. He said, lest thou that I should be exalted above measure, this is why the Lord allowed that thorn in the flesh. And then Paul, once he realized that, he was like, I will gladly glory in this. Like, I'm thankful for this thorn in the flesh. And we know that sometimes when we are sick, uh, the Lord brings healing and health in someone's life because, of course, he is known as the great physician. Uh, one such example uh, is found in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number two, uh, by the man uh, named Epaphroditus. Um, he was sick and the Lord showed mercy to him, rose him up, raised him up and, and healed him and, and uh, kept him uh, going in this life. But sometimes we know that God's greatest healing is when he ends up taking that saint to heaven, uh, which has happened to many of our loved ones. And we were praying for God to heal them and, and you know, we prayed with faith and yet the Lord still uh, chose to uh, heal ultimately, um, by taking them to heaven. Now, um, as I go through this message, I know that I could give a lot of uh, medical and scientific things that would perhaps back up what I'm trying to communicate. Um, but um, I'm just going to simply share what the Bible, the Word of God says, um, I'm not going to really worry about bringing in science because science is not the final authority. We have learned that if we haven't learned anything this last couple years, that science is not the final authority. This book is the final authority. Okay, we, we believe as Baptists, you know, you go through the Baptist acrostic, the word Baptist, B stands for Bible only authority. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. I know that in your mind, you're like, oh, I'm sure that there's a study that backs that up. That very well may be true. Uh, but regardless of whether there's a study that backs it up or not, this 
book says it, and that's we should live it regardless of whether there's data to back it up. All right. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump in here to, first of all, some just general principles regarding uh, the, our physical life, our physical body. First of all, here's the, the first principle here. As believers, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer tonight, your body, the Bible calls the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. And I'm going to ask you to turn to some passages as we go through this message tonight. So I'd like you to see it for yourself. And, and I know that some of these are familiar passages, but still uh, to see it once again in relation to what we're talking about, prospering physically. All right. As believers, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, I'll pick it up in verse number 19. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Paul asks the question, and he's kind of like, what? Like, I can't believe you, you, you don't know this, but what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? In verse 20, look at this verse, for ye are bought with a price. We talked about that price. We sung about that. Uh, he sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Okay, That's the, that was the price for our redemption. And we were bought with a the price. Therefore, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So our bodies no longer belong to us. Um, and, and this whole concept of our bodies being the holy, the temple of the Holy Spirit applies not just, it applies in a lot of different areas, many different things. Moral purity, and that's really the major context of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Moral purity, it, it has to do with diet, drugs, smoking, alcohol, exercise, um, tattoos, cutting, and, and the list really goes on and on. And, and we need to consider the fact that as believers, our bodies don't belong to us anymore. Our bodies are not our own. This uh, pro-abortion crowd often uh, said many times, my body, my choice. Okay, well, the, the thing is, is that's not true for a Christian. So if you're, if you're a believer, it's not your body. It, it's the Lord's. It belongs to the Lord, and, and our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's just something to kind of remember as we think about prospering physically, that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so next uh, general principle here is we are to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5. Go ahead and stay here in 1 Corinthians 6. I'll just quote this verse. It's a familiar one. Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So Paul's saying to the church at Ephesus there, don't be drunk, don't be under the influence. Um, there's, been, uh, there's been a couple of my favorite football team, a couple players 
this season who have been arrested for driving under the influence of alcohol. Uh, sadly, one ended up earlier in the season killing a lady in Las Vegas because he was going a um, hundred and something miles per hour while he was drunk. He was under the influence of alcohol, and as a result, he's out of the NFL and uh, facing some serious time in jail. Another player just even this week, uh, this Monday, after they won their game, by the way, in Indianapolis on Sunday, they flew back to Las Vegas Sunday, late Sunday night, and uh, early Monday morning, they found him at the exit of a parking garage asleep at the wheel just parking there um, at the exit of this thing. And uh, they woke him up and, and gave him a sobriety test. He failed it. He was under the influence of alcohol. Um, okay, as believers, we're not to be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but instead we're to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He's kind of comparing being under the influence of alcohol and being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We're to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, your Bible is open to 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 12. Let's look at this verse. Uh, it says, And all things, Paul said, are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. So some could make the, some might say, well, okay, I, I don't believe that, that God, that the, the Bible says that thou shalt not drink alcohol, that it just says thou shalt not get drunk. Okay, that whole concept. Um, so Paul says, look, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful, he says, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I'm not going to let anything control me other than the Lord. The Lord is the only one that should have that uh, license to do that in the freedom, and, and we're allowing him to lead us and not anything else, uh, any other substance, any other um, food. Uh, we're going we're gonna to make sure that we're not brought under the power of any, that we reserve that place for the Lord, all right? Well, since we're to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we're, as such, we should be walking in the Spirit and thus exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Oh, I'm so glad I asked that question. I'm going to answer that question in Galatians. Well, God answered that question better in Galatians chapter number 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. And the last one is this word that we kind of just would rather it not be in there. Okay? And that's the word temperance. And temperance gives the idea of self-control. The ability to say no. And uh, that's a hard word to say sometimes, isn't it? When, uh, when somebody puts peanut butter balls on your desk, it's very hard to say no. Okay, that happened to a friend of mine today. That happened to me, okay? Um. And I had a hard time saying no, okay? But that, that, that doesn't just, that, that, that involves everything, okay? Being in, being in, being in self-control. Um, 
Paul said in uh, your, okay, your Bible's open in chapter 6 here to 1 Corinthians, if you flip over to chapter 9. I just want to show you several verses here, more of a Bible study tonight, not, not major preaching, but just showing you what the Bible says about our bodies, okay? And uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, let's pick it up in verse number 24. He said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. He said, Every man that striveth for the mastery is, oh man, there's that word again, temperate. Why does that word have to keep popping up in the Bible? This is the word that says, I'm going to say no, I'm going to be, self, I'm going to be temperate, I'm going to um, be willing to say no to myself and to de- deny some things. He said, every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in, oh no, do you see these next three words? In all things? Oh, great. Well, that's what the Bible says. Every man that striveth the mastery is tempered in all things. And we know this. I mean, the, uh, the Olympics are about to start here within, within the month. And uh, we're going to be uh, seeing athletes who have been temperate. They have been in self-control. They've, been, they've said no to all kinds of things in order to get a gold medal that is one day going to fade away. And that's what he says here in verse 25. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are tempered in all things for an incorruptible crown. Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Verse 27, but I keep under my body. There's the body there. And bring it into subjection. Okay, that that's the idea of temperance. I'm going to, rule my body and not my body, let my body rule me. A lot of people let their bodies rule them. And, and Paul said, I'm going to keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So here's another passage that is a convicting passage for all of us because the flesh, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And a lot of times we do want to obey our flesh rather than obey the spirit. Because the flesh we can feel and boy does it feel. I mean, when we're hungry, we got to go eat. When we're thirsty, we got to go drink. When we're tired, we got to go sleep. When we if we don't want to do something, then we a lot of times just listen to our bodies. And uh and I'm not saying that that's always a bad thing. Um, But as believers, we need to make sure that we're first and foremost listening to the Lord. Okay, so we are to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Boy, I'm basically going to get through this first thought and that'll be it. Bummer. Uh, Thirdly, though, there is the principle of stewardship. Just again, general principles regarding our physical life, our physical health. There is the principle of stewardship here. First uh, Corinthians chapter four, uh, verses one and two, tells us, "Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God." And then in verse two, he says, "Moreover, it is requ- required in stewards that a man be found 
faithful. Now, all of us have only one vehicle in which to serve the Lord. You say, well, I've got a a Ford F-150. That's not what I'm talking about. This, This body that God's given you is the only vehicle in which you and I can really serve the Lord. And uh, if you have, you, you, okay, now think about your vehicles in your garage or that are parked in the parking lot right now. Let's say that uh, you let 15,000 miles go without giving it an oil change. And you go another 15,000 and you still don't get an oil change. Eventually, you're going to run out of oil and it's going to be no bueno for that uh, engine. That engine needs oil to keep it going. Uh, You need to maintain that vehicle in order for it to continue running, correct? Okay, well, we only have one vehicle in which to serve the Lord, and that's this body, so we need to maintain it and take care of it. Uh, I don't really like to. I, I don't really like doing an oil change. I mean, Brother Gary might. He, he kind of likes working on cars. He's a, he's a strange, strange duck. But, but most people don't like going and dealing with all the uh, maintenance stuff with their vehicles, um, paying for it and, and, or doing the work themselves. They don't really like it, but they know it's necessary in order to keep that vehicle on the road, okay? Again, you and I have the opportunity to serve the Lord, and we have a body in which to do that. Um, I, I realize that um, you know our bodies aren't going to last forever, but let's fulfill what God has for us. Let's fulfill God's will for our lives and not let our lack of maintenance on our bodies be a cause that our um, opportunities get cut short. Um, be a good steward of the body God has given you. Take care of it. But lest we get too focused on our body, There's another biblical principle, and fourthly, this is this. Our bodies will die. Unless, this is a, you could put a little asterisk there, unless the rapture happens, which is kind of my plan. I I really would rather that than go through death. I would rather just get raptured on out of here. Um, I would love that. But, If that doesn't happen in my lifetime, then our bodies will die. Therefore, our primary priority should be on the inner man. Okay, so I'm kind of balancing what I just said about taking care of our bodies. Some people, all they do is take care of their bodies and they fail to take care of their inner man, their relationship with God. And they're putting all of their time and energy into something that's going to die. Now, again, we need to take care of it and all of that, but at the same time, like, why, why spend your whole life trying to, um, you know, just focus on your body that's going to perish? Okay, here's the verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, so all of our outward men, all of our outward bodies are perishing. I mean, really, the day we're born is the day we start dying. 
So though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So are we working on and focusing our primary, the prior, primary priority in our lives? Is it on the inner man or is it on our outer man? Like only concerned about our physical well-being. I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about it, but I'm saying our primary focus and priority should be on the inner man. Those are some general principles regarding our physical life. And uh, hopefully you understand the balance of it all there, um, because I think the Bible teaches a balance of caring, but making sure that our focus is on the main thing, and that's our inner man. Let's go ahead and jump into this. Uh, maybe I'll get a couple of these thoughts in, and then we'll wrap it up here. So let's, let's go ahead and jump into this next thought here. Biblical principles for eating. Yes, the Bible actually has quite a bit to say about food. In fact, back in the Old Testament, there were dietary laws that God gave the Jews. Well, in the New Testament, God has given us the liberty to eat any of God's creatures. And that's found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you'd like to turn over there very quickly. In the Old Testament, there were, they, the, they were forbidden to eat several different things that we like to eat today. Um, I'm a big shrimp fan. I mean, I, I kind of wait for those, you know, all-you-can-eat shrimp days at Red Lobster. And I kind of like dive into that. Uh, well, back in the Old Testament, that was not a thing. Last night, I had, uh, I had an omelet. My wife made me an omelet, and I had ham and cheese in that omelet. And uh, ham was not something, bacon was not something that they could eat in the Old Testament. But praise the Lord, we live in New Testament days. Can I get an amen? <laughs> okay. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's look at this very quickly. That, sh- that says that. This is that passage that gives us that uh, freedom and liberty to do that. Uh, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And this is what they do. They forbid to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is, what's that next word? Good. And nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So, according to this passage here, eat all the bacon you want. Uh, Go and enjoy some all-you-can-eat shrimp. Until we get to a couple points later, and uh, we'll cover some of that. Um, so that's just uh, just a, a thought here. But um, letter A on your outline, if you're taking notes there, um, I do want to mention this thought here because uh, this this kind of goes over a lot of people's heads here when it comes to food. Many of the here it is. Many of the temptations in the Bible. Had to, in the Bible had to do with food. Now, obviously, we know that Joseph was tempted with Potiphar's wife. 
But you go back to some of the major temptations in the Bible, they had to do with food. In fact, the very first temptation in all of the Bible had to do with food. When Adam and Eve were put in the garden, they said, man, you eat of every tree you want except for one. And they wanted the taste of what that one thing was there in the garden that they were not allowed to eat of. And so, of course, we know the story. You think about when Jesus was first tempted in the wilderness. He had fasted for 40 days, 40 nights, and he was led of the Spirit to go into the wilderness. And what was the first thing that Jesus was tempted to do? To make that stone turn to a loaf of bread. Food. Okay. Uh, what about uh, Esau? Jacob. Esau had the birthright, but he was he came home from hunting one day and he was hungry and he needed to eat. And his brother had his apron on and he had made some super good soup. And so Esau's like, give me some of that. And Jacob's like, well, you sell me your birthright. I'll give you some of that. And he's like, I'm about to die. I need to eat. He was hangry. And so he was like, what good is the birthright going to do if I die? So, yeah, let me have that. And uh, he sold his birthright and was tempted for food. The nation of Israel, uh, you read through the, uh, the story of the Exodus and how they walked through the wilderness for 40, day, 40 years. I'm sorry, not 40 days, 40 years. And they murmured and complained multiple times because of their hunger and uh, lack of variety on the menu. Uh, it had to do with food. And so, uh, not new um, temptations with food um, are all around us. Do I have time to go into this? No, we'll wait. We'll wait and uh, leave that for next time. So uh, I didn't get near as far as I thought I was going to get. And uh, pretty funny that I thought I was going to get through all of this tonight. Um, but anyway, this is a this is a good this is a good topic. Obviously, um, one that uh, doesn't get talked about a whole bunch in churches. And not that we want to spend forever on this, because again, it's not the most important part of us. Our relationship with God is the most important part of us. But um, there is some principles here in the Word of God that uh, tell us that this is important as well and uh, worth, worth looking into. So uh, we'll pick it up here next, uh, next week, and so it'll be uh, more than four services. There it is, four service series. And more than that. Let's pray, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll move on to some prayer requests here. Lord, thank you for the opportunity tonight to look into your word and look at some principles regarding our bodies. Lord, it is uh, pretty remarkable that, uh, Lord, you would choose each of us as sinners to be uh, our, our bodies, to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Really, it's, that's a huge honor a huge responsibility to know that um, you are residing within this body of ours. Um, and Lord, help us to remember that our bodies are not our own. And um, Lord, we can't just do whatever we want with our bodies, knowing that this is, this is the temple. This is the temple of God. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us to think about these things as we go through our week this week and then 
Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to have uh, open hearts to what you have for us in the next uh, part of the message uh, as we look at it next week. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, one thing I was going to mention uh, regarding the, uh, the temple, uh, this, is, this is the church. It's not a, it's not a temple, but um, this is where we worship God and the temple in the Old Testament days where they worship God. So imagine if, you know, we just um, let a bunch of, you know, like after church on Sundays and stuff, there's a lot of like outlines and bulletins left over and Kleenexes and, um, you know, all kinds of little pieces of trash and candy wrappers and such. And let's imagine if we never picked those up, like week after week after week and month after month after month. You like walk in here one day after being on, away for a while and come back and like, what's going on with this church? Like, why won't, why won't they take care of the place of worship? Okay. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let's not just let trash continue to build up in our lives and our bodies. 